This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race recap show for season 12, episode 9, titled Choices 2020. My name is Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by one very concerned citizen. From the podcast pod is my co pilot. Please say, I'm asleep already. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> to Taylor the Latte Boy. Hello, Taylor the Latte Boy. Hello, Jabba Dance. Yeah. Everyone should know. I feel like I start every show like that, but everyone should know that uh, if you uh, are not a Patreon supporter, you just missed. Are just between us girls segment where what did we talk about, Taylor? We talked about someone calling me a fat, disgusting phantom of the opera troll. And we talked about things based in reality. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> we and, talked about facts and then we talked about perceptions. Yes, yeah. that's true. We talked about um, my mom telling me I'm, she made pudding. <laughs> we talked about Animal Crossing because that's all that's going on in the world. Yeah, we talked about how you saw my nipple. Yes. And we talked about、uh, my, my disappointment for the week. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 All、uh, happy topics. Just yeah. on yeah, just if you really want, girls. If you want to hear these <laughs> wonderful happy topics that Taylor and I were talking about, just go to patreon.com slash afterthought. We were、yeah. laughing a lot, though, through it. It's not like where we were just. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't and... morose. It, 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 was, it was a lighthearted version of the, of the foibles that、uh, life throws at us. Foibles. What a great word. It's also my drag name. <laughs> Next up, Foibles. <laughs> I really, I know my drag name. What song would Foibles do? What, what, what song would be where the, the, the fringe curtains open up、mm-hmm. and, and Foibles comes popping out? What song would Foibles do? I have it right here. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Remember when you ran away and I got on my knees and begged you not to leave because I go berserk? Well, you left me anyhow, and then the days got worse and worse, and now you see I've gone completely out of my mind. And they're coming to take me away, haha, they're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, haha, the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time. I don't know what's more. Concerting, yeah, disturbing yeah. that you th- that that's the song she'd come out to, or that you were able to pull that song that quickly. <laughs> Fast typer, I think you can hear me typing、okay. on there on the show. Is that what is that what Foibles would do? She would come out and she would type really fast in front of everybody. Oh, Foibles is the fastest typer, but you know what's so funny is, um, is uh, we should talk about it in just between us girls, but you know, as we all know, my drag name of choice is Latina Fay, right?、Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was thinking, like, God, I really am liking more and more the drag name Sciatica. <laughs> <laughs> That might be my alternate drag name because I have Sciatica 
And I just keep thinking it's, like, it's such a great, like, I can actually hear RuPaul saying sciatica coming down the runway, you know? Right. Thank you. Uh, all right. <laughs> She's way. back again. She's lower back again. Sciatica. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, all right. This week, the queens try to make Rue laugh in a kitty litter quick drag, trick drag mini challenge. For the maxi challenge, the contestants become political candidates in the debate title Choices 2020. On the runway, the category is Stars and Stripes Forever. Jada wins over the moderators and judges take home this week's win while Jackie and Widow fall to the bottom. After a lip sync battle for their lives, Jackie is told, Shantae, you stay, while the Widow Von Du is asked, to sashay away Taylor the Latte Boy. Give me two things you liked about the episode and one thing you did not. All right. Two th- I, I enjoyed the episode, uh, considering we got, you know, three and a half hours of Drag Race last night. Um, which I'm glad this Celebrity Drag Race is only four weeks. I, I can't imagine doing this ongoing. Um, I liked I, – I thought the debate was good. Uh, it was enjoyable. There were definitely st- some stronger than others. Uh, but everybody with one exception was pretty good. I thought was that was at least got a couple of things in that were pretty funny. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the one not being widow where widow just yelled, uh, something else I liked is I, when they talked about doing the, uh, we talked about in the meet the Queens, the, the, the color theme of red, white, and blue. That is one of my favorite. I've talked about I love Fourth of July and and I I love just that color scheme together, that color family together. So I loved the idea of the theme for the runway this week. And particularly, I really loved I loved Jackie's look because of this and it may we'll be at that when we get to that. Could you say that again? Because you uh Skyped out. I started with you love okay. Jackie's look. Okay. I loved Jackie's look. Um, I feel like it was definitely, it was, it, 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 it brought up a lot, I think, for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think it was definitely something that was a, in some ways, a teachable moment for the viewers, but potentially a teachable moment for the world. And I thought that there is a lot of bravery for wearing that because of possible ramifications for that after last night's episode war. So I, I, I appreciate and love that. Um, but I, lo- I loved a lot of the looks for that. Uh, the thing I did not like was it feels like once a season, she has the Queens do something where it feels like she's making fun of them mm-hmm. or she's forcing them to really kind of lose a lot of self-respect. And the kitty litter mini challenge felt like that it almost felt at times like she was making fun of some of the girls mm-hmm. and the idea, the idea that these girls are fighting for a hundred thousand dollars and they have to do something where they potentially have to sit in kitty litter and act like they're going to the bathroom. And, and that sort of thing was just not, I, I, I was, I was embarrassed for, for some, some of the contestants and thought that it's, it seems like at least once, once a season she does something like that. And I don't like that. We'll get to when we get there, but yes, there was. I didn't think about it until right now when you said that, but now that I think about it, there were some where I'm like, ooh. So there's some that handled it with uh, grace. 
Yes. No, I agree with that. But then there's some people. <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah. But then there are some people who look like, oh, wait up on do, you know, poor thing. Um, yeah. You know, um, I, oh, yeah, well, I did talk about that. Okay, the two things I liked. I actually really liked, uh, I don't know who this Rachel Bloom is. I didn't watch this Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I know you're a big oh, fan. Oh, we loved Crazy Ex-Girlfriend in this yeah, house. Yeah, but I thought she was a very good judge. She was able to, it's kind of rough, I think. Not many people accomplish this, where they're a big fan. They make it known they're a big fan, but then also they can, they're not, they don't, they're not cloying. You know, they're not like trying to show off what a big fan they are, you know? Yeah. And I think she accomplished that. She was a very competent judge. And uh, I thought uh, she was really, really good. Uh, next, the looks. Uh, believe it or not, I actually really liked the looks. I, I can't even really... Were there any that were bad? Uh, not that I can think of. Maybe, uh, uh, one whose name we don't speak. I have to remember. I'll have to look when I see that. But uh, look, they look like the 4th of July, you know, which makes me want a hot dog real bad. But also... <laughs> It's my birthday, so anything that reminds me of my birthday, I'm going to like. That's why I love the 4th of July. Because it makes you want a hot dog real bad? Yes, because it's your birthday and it makes me want a hot dog real bad. (laughs) (laughs) A freaking chorizo! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in fact, that's often, often what I do say when it is my birthday. In fact, I have a recording from last year of, uh, of me for my birthday. Here it is. Whoops. Only an American, a woman like me, have a freaking chorizo. <laughs> we don't use the soundboard enough on this on this show. You we don't we don't use the soundboard as much as we used to. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, the one the, here's why I don't like. I just gotta tip my hand a little bit when I think about something else. They come down on this Jackie Cox for being one note on the debate, which is sure, right? Fair assessment. Yeah. I'm so sick. And I, don't get me wrong. I, don't, not, not a, a, I like this person as a drag queen. I know, I know where you're going. I know where you're going because I remembered last week when you said this. Go ahead. I'm so can, sick. Can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Can you guess? Oh, no. I could guess what the... Never mind. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> this Heidi's whistle. I'm so sick of it. Okay, we got the yeah. joke. It was funny the first time. It was cute the second time. It was meh the third time. Now I'm like, okay, we get the joke. You can do a whistle yeah. with your teeth. Yeah. Okay. So I'm done with it. You know we're going to keep hearing it until the, it's either she the finale or the end of the line for her. Who knows where she goes? I know where she goes. Yeah. I have to say. Anyway. Goes right in the clock. Yeah, no. When she when she did it and did it multiple times last night, I was just like, Joe is rolling his eyes. Oh, right I was like, enough. Yes, I definitely was. Anyway, uh, okay. Well, let's jump right into the episode after Jan's elimination. Uh, the queens reminisce about Jan's constant chipper attitude. Widow congratulates Heidi on her first main challenge win, and Gigi feels defeated after her first week of negative critiques. The next day, Heidi, do you have anything to say about this? The top of the show here. No, it was weird that they showed so much Jan. <laughs> I get they were trying to prove a point by showing how chipper she was and everything, mm-hmm. but usually you just don't really get them re- replaying old clips. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can s- kind of start to see Gigi get in her head a little bit. Yeah, with this, where yeah. she's realizing she goes, "I don't, I don't like the way this feels." Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I got, I'll be honest with you. At the end, when she says, you will never see me in the bottom again. I was like, I got kind of scared. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. Uh, the next day, Heidi in Closet announces her name change to Heidi Hydrates before RuPaul enters the workroom to announce this week's mini challenge. So, for today's mini challenge, you're auditioning for the title of... Kitty Girl 2020. Now, you've got 15 minutes to get into quick cat drive. All right. Uh, Jackie gets herself a win before... Oh, no, let's talk about... Let's, let's stop here. Let's stop here. Let's talk about the mini challenge. We can also go back to the top of the show, too, if you have to. <clears throat> mini okay. challenge. Your thoughts on the mini challenge? Well, as I said, I don't like... One, it feels very close to what they just did in All Stars where they all came out like in the cat outfits, which I thought was weird that they were so close together as far as themes that were similar to that. Um, I appreciate, I appreciated like crystal trying to be like the beginning of crystal where she kind of stopped mid conversation and knocked over the vase. I thought was yeah. funny and mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. But then once she did think where she was like squatting in the, the kitty litter or I, it was a, it was a turnoff for me. I, I, and that, that's when I realized like, Oh, they're making fun of these girls that this isn't where they're, they're, they're supposed to act, act the fool. And I didn't, I, I think some handled it better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Jackie was pretty funny. It's clear Jackie, you know, cause Jackie loves that era of television, mm-hmm. you know, and that era of performer. So it makes sense that she would do the earth kit, but it also felt very like, okay, we get it. You can roll your R's sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, whereas I thought there were things that Gigi said that were very funny. I've noticed though that Gigi's idea of comedy is just very flat affect. That if she does this thing where she says things very quickly and very flat affect, that's, there, there isn't a lot of variation there on what she, what she can do. This Gigi, all she does, because she is not good at comedy, is her idea is to channel Kate McKinnon. All right. You know, okay. You know, it's so funny. There is uh, a comedian that I knew. I wouldn't even say I know him. I knew. And I'll, I'll give a hint as to who I'm talking about. If you've heard past episodes about the person is about the first time I ever met him, he was coming out of the bathroom and it smelled like poo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the criticism I've always had of his stand-up is it always seemed very derivative. Like he was channeling both, both. Jim Gaffigan and Jack Black into a character when he does stand up. I don't think it's true with his acting, but when he does stand up, it seems like it's just he's just doing his version of Jim Gaffigan and Jack Black. Okay. Okay. And with I know they're they're Gigi's own words, but it's she's taken Kate McKinnon's SNL persona, and uh, and especially in that cat, it's like what would Kate McKinnon do uh, as a cat. Yeah. And that's what it sort of felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think, I think you know, what's so funny, and I, and I said this earlier, is I never thought about what you said with the with the challenge, but you're very right. And I think the one that rings true for me the most is Widow Von Du. Yeah. Where if it were a white person doing what RuPaul did to Widow Von Du, it would have very big uh, <laughs> racial implications, you know? Yes. If, if Carson was mm-hmm. like... Here's a little dot. Jump for the dot on the wall. You know, yeah. it just felt very like uh, it, it did not feel good to me. Now mm-hmm. that I think about it, because I remember even kind of cringing with Widow, but I couldn't place why I was cringing with Widow's performance. But I think that's what it was. 
Well, and, and Heidi's as well. Like mm-hmm. Heidi, where she was sort of down on all fours and she was just like, yeah. you know, oh, I love the toy. I love the toy, you know, sort of thing. It was all mm-hmm. wrapping it in her teeth. And it, it just, it, there wasn't anything, there wasn't anything necessarily drag about it. It just felt very, it felt demeaning. That, that, yeah. that, and that might have been, again, that might have been the mindset I was in when I first started yeah. watching this episode, yeah. but I, I didn't like it. I made a note here mm-hmm. on my notes. I actually have notes this week. And uh, I I always have notes, but I actually, let me rephrase. I actually have typed out notes. Okay. Um, And uh, and one of the things I wanted to, because a lot of times I'm going like, what did I write? What did that mean? Is, um, I think, this is something we do in our Golden Girls recap, that if you're a Patreon supporter, you have access to, is to point out references that um, the children might get. You know what? Now I think about there were a bunch this this week, and something in the debate happened. I can't remember what it was. I didn't write it down. But a lot of people, I don't think, know the Eartha Kit reference, and then she makes an Adam West reference. Do you want to explain yeah. who both are? Well, Eartha Kit was a singer mm-hmm. and actress in the, I mean, really from the 40s, I think, up, up through the, I mean, she was Yzma in The Emperor's New Groove. And she was known, a lot of people really know her for being Catwoman on the old Batman series in the 60s. Yeah. And she spoke, I mean, uh, she kind of definitely had that inflection in her voice of where she would roll R's very, you know, in a very sexy, enticing way. But she did that a lot on Batman as Catwoman. So that, as soon as, and she, she had a very velvety, very where she talked very fast like this, and then she would sort of yeah. thing with her with her voice. So yeah, um, I, I knew exactly that's what he was doing right away, and it makes sense considering that he has talked about his love for "I Dream of Jeannie" mm-hmm. and his fa- a lot of his fashion choices are based kind of in that late sixties, early seventies. That that would be where he would go as far as a cat goes. Yeah, it, it makes sense, and of course he wins. He plays to RuPaul's sense of nostalgia. So RuPaul yeah. would obviously really like, you know, an Eartha Kit reference, who's also a very gay icon for especially that time. The gays loved her. And, yes. and, and then Adam West was, yeah, the original Batman. Uh, okay, are we done with the, eliminate the mini? I'm sorry, what are these things called? Mini challenge. Mini challenge. One? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jackie gets herself a win by playing to RuPaul's nostalgia. And then RuPaul announces this week's maxi challenge. For this week's Maxi Challenge, you'll be speaking at Choices 2020. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the most fabulous presidential debate in her street. Oh. Each of you will present your platform and answer probing questions from the free press. From tucking in public to the right to bear breastplates. Huh? No drag issue is off the table. All right. Uh, while the girls visit, well, I'm sorry. While the girls work on their political platforms, RuPaul enters with her political advisor Raven. Heidi adopts Raven's line: "Fuck the GOP, get into the GAP." After La- Ru laughs hysterically <laughs> at that, Gigi says she's afraid of politics. Raven asks Widow if she has a prescription to wear her ugly shoes. Jada plans the mudsling. Jackie speaks on her political acti- af- activeness. I'm. S- well, her political activity, despite not being an American citizen, and Criddle, Criddle, what is wrong with me? I had enough sleep. <laughs> Crystal considers herself a walking political statement in her conservative hometown. Taylor Lottie Boy, your thoughts on these table visits? Um, 
the, the bottom half of Raven's outfit was horrible. Horrible. <laughs> it's so funny that it you was say that way too thin. It looked like she was wearing a thong backwards, yes. and it was distracting. Yeah. Um. I normally really love Raven. Mm-hmm. Raven's been somebody. She was one of my favorites on season two, even though she was, you know, technically maybe one of the villains. Mm-hmm. Um. And I loved her in All Stars. Mm-hmm. I. And I feel like she has definitely softened over the years. She's mm-hmm. not quite as hard as she was. I don't get quite why the things she was saying were so over the top funny for RuPaul. Like with the screaming, laughing and stuff. I, I, I don't know if that's where RuPaul's secretly scared of her that she's going to fuck up her makeup or or what it was. But it just there were times that I was like, that's that's not that funny. I, you know, it's humorous. Mm-hmm. Some of the jokes she was making were humorous. And Raven is very quick. Very quick with the wit, but I don't quite get the levels. Look, I think the fuck the GOP get into the GAP speaks to RuPaul's super simple, corny dad joke humor. That's something that makes RuPaul laugh so hard. To me, if I would have made that joke, I would have, this would have been my response. <laughs> that would have been my <laughs> laugh at that. RuPaul scream laugh, but also it shows... If you want to hear it, listen to that laugh and then go back to Snatch Game. You never hear that laugh. You hear a forced impersonation from a RuPaul of that laugh. But that's a real yeah. RuPaul laugh. That's what RuPaul laughs like for real. And you don't hear that in the Snatch Game. Just want to reiterate that for all those people who want to do that much research. Um, I, You know, I do think Raven did give some good advice. I will say that. And I, I think it's... Maybe Vanjie wasn't necessarily a good example of this, but um, but Raven is uh, bringing in veteran drag queens from the show to give advice in the table visits. Yeah, I've said for I, years. I, Go ahead. I think I think it's a good idea, and I think that part of that is maybe people are it, it, it plays a couple of things. Where one, it's less work that Rue has to do. Yeah, you know where it's it's less Rue talking, and it's also one of these where Rue. It kind of takes the, you know, one thing that we have seen and you see a lot on social media is people talking about how Rue gives contradicting advice to girls. Where she'll she'll tell a girl one thing and then the next week she comes in and tells her the exact opposite and it's confusing. Mm -hmm. So this kind of takes the responsibility off of Rue where Rue could say, I didn't say that. Yeah. Raven said that or Vanjie said that. I -hmm. I didn't, you know. And also, these girls have also experienced what it's like to go through this. One of the things that I liked with Raven was that she mm-hmm. said, when I think about it, it wasn't fun anymore. And I got in my head. You have to stop getting in your head. Yeah. You know, I, I I think that them bringing in all of these girls is a good thing. I've said for years, you know, if RuPaul doesn't want to do anything anymore, I think maybe this will be the last thing. She should just give – she should make Carson and Ross the Tim Guns of the show, and they do the table visits with a former drag queen. You know, former contestant. Yeah. And she's not even doing the table visits, you know? Uh, I think that would be more valuable. The queens, I think, well, would do you be think more open. Maybe their segue, maybe for a season 13 or 14, maybe we'll see that. Where she's starting to slowly bring them in every once in a while. And then maybe it's where next se- 13, she's got them in with their every challenge. And then season 14... It's Ross or Carson that come in. She comes in, does the mini challenge, introduces what the Chet Maxi challenge is, and then says, and Carson and a guest will be in to talk with you guys later. Yeah, and if you think about on Project Runway or now this other, what's it called again? Master Thread? Making or- making the cut. 
Master Thread's a good name, though. Um, Master Thread. I think I think there was a one called Master Thread. Oh, is uh, Tim Gunn isn't on the judges panel, right? After after he does that, his visit, his version of the of the workroom visit, he, he you don't see him anymore. So yeah. um, that's not a bad idea either to have someone who's just like a coach who's not on the judges panel. I think the girls would be more open. Um, yeah. To that. Uh, all right. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to say is that this RuPaul goes to Jackie Cox and she goes, she goes, wait, are you politically motivated? I'm like, bitch, she just cried like two episodes ago because she was in the presence of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. What do you mean she, yeah. is she politically motivated? Well, but that's just that they have backstory that she's got, she's got to figure out a way to crowbar that in, wedge that in. Yeah. Do you think that Queen's previous contestants when they see something of theirs being used on drag race oh like choices like choices do you think that that is considered like a feather in their cap or do you think that is like a i just had something taken from me and now it's become you know because i mean i think a lot of us know that it was tatiana who came up with choices in all stars two two but is that something where it feels like it's been? T- do you think it's been? T- feels like it's been taken away from her? Because I know I saw that she posted something on Twitter, just like "Where's Where's my check?" kind of thing. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I also think it's a case by case basis on this one because it's not something they say all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. I would. Also, it depends on, on who it is. I'll give you better examples. I think with Tatiana, maybe she's like whatever, right? I don't know. I don't know what maybe Tatiana's feelings are. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, uh, uh, Adore Delano famously borrowed, and I'm using air quotes for people who are just listening, a party from Mayhem Miller. Yeah. And Alaska, I can't remember who it is, got the bye, and she's open about it from some other drag queen who's never been on the show. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if those drag queens, you know, uh, they have some sort of resentment. Like Mayhem Miller, she's been on the show, but for all intents and purposes, that's Adora Delano's line now. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't belong to her anymore. And same thing with that drag queen. If she does it, it's like, oh, um, you know. You're I, doing uh, Alaska. Yeah. Now they think it's Alaska's. And now RuPaul, but even going further, RuPaul has now absconded that and now on the end of every one of her episodes she got the she and michelle go bye you know yeah uh, weren't they doing it at the end of each episode too at the end at the, do they do that now at the end of the episode when right right before the logo comes on doesn't it they go don't they go bye they were for a I while but they're still doing it i don't they were for well, last night was last night was a weird ending what with happened? the whole jeff goldblum standing by himself oh. on the was that part of reference to a movie or something? Or was I don't that know. just a. I don't know. Just, uh, okay. we'll, get, we'll get to this Jeff Goldblum. We'll get to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, you know what, Taylor? Let's do this right now because we're at a natural uh, breaking point here. Um, let's actually take a break right here. And when we come back, we will uh, talk about Elimination Day. But for right now, we'll be back right after this. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What? What I do for an extra hour in the day, I'll tell you, I want to write more. In, in, in a previous life, I 
uh, was a writer, wanted to be a writer, all that jazz, you know, wrote things. And then it seems now that a podcast, which is a, a, a great creative outlet, by the way, I just write less. And well, I do write a lot. I just, I don't know why I'm going on about this. I write less. I don't write creatively as much as I want to. Now it's mostly just writing about RuPaul's Drag Race or whatever's coming up for the show. And if I had an extra hour, I would spend it writing. And that's what I would do with an extra hour. That's what matters to me. But what matters to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. I have benefited very much from therapy, and it's helped me set priorities in my life. Hell, the reason I am a podcaster full-time is because of therapy. It helped me realize where my priorities were. And I benefited from therapy, and I think everyone can benefit from therapy, and that's why I think you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's designed to be convenient, it's designed to be flexible, and you can totally fit it in your own schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Drag Race today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Drag Race. And we're back. Uh, it's Elimination Day, and the queens get ready for the debate and discuss politics. Crystal tells the others about her Trump-supporting parents. Jackie reveals her family's struggle with Trump's travel ban. Widow speaks about the fear that people of color have of being in a majority white spaces. And Jada emphasizes the importance of providing information to misinformed family members. Taylor, your thoughts on this Elimination Day? I have... Not mixed feelings. I was surprised at how openly they were saying Trump's name. Yeah, I was surprised. Which I, I, which I know in the pet one because it doesn't necessarily make the show evergreen. Um, but also, and and uh, I, I get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get why we're ta- we're we're talking particularly about this. But I. I my one thought is what is this we there are people who watch the show who are conservative leaning to some degree or they mm-hmm. support the, the 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 current administration mm-hmm. and i just wondered what that would be like to be like if you were a log cabin republican or you were some something what that would be like to hear hear them talking so openly and with such understandable venom towards towards uh the current administration mm-hmm. I, I i was i was i just was very surprised that surprised me because i know in mm-hmm. past when they have talked about other things going on it seems like they try very hard to not put a, a distinct pin in mm-hmm. what's going on i also get that this is this is a, this is airing during an election year you know we have the register to go the vote fines register to goat register to goat register mm-hmm. to vote signs at the end of each of the episodes and you know, with AOC coming on and, and it, it, I, I get that Rue is pushing an agenda, understandably so. And I'm glad to see that. I just was surprised at how far they pushed last week. Well, this week, whenever RuPaul talks about it, she's pretty oblique, you know, but uh, but they let the girls do it in the elimination day in the workroom by themselves. I don't know why RuPaul, we know where RuPaul stands. 
you know, but, uh, uh, you know, um, the girls get to do it themselves uh, in the workroom. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's one of these things, it's so funny, is you were talking about whether um, this is going to be, be evergreen it won't, but here's a, here's a really rough question. This has nothing to do with the quality of the girls or the contestants or the show or anything. I just feel, and I've said this before on other episodes, that this is a show that's going to be buried and no one's going to revisit for a while. This is a show that in 2025, uh, we're going to be like, oh, remember season 12? Uh, yeah. We should revisit that one, you know, and look at that again. And let's let's judge it on a new level. Because, um, so I, I think in a weird kind of way they've lucked out in that um, people aren't going to, aren't a, 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 only true fans of the series are going to go back and watch. Yeah. And hopefully in 2025, yeah. it will be completely different. And they'll go, oh yeah, they talked about that guy that was president yeah. for that one for that one term. Well, even in 2025, even if he does, mm, well, yeah, yeah, it won't be him. <laughs> You know, mm, well, you know. Oh, you're still thinking. <laughs> you upend the Constitution. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, was there any? You know, uh, uh, let me touch on each one here. Crystal talked about her Trump supporting parents. That was very interesting because just a couple of weeks ago, uh, she was talking about her father has Parkinson's, mm-hmm. and uh, I wonder how much of the audience was like, "Good." <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> Oh God! I wasn't feeling no, that, I, but I was thinking there are a lot of people who really hate Trump. <laughs> no, I, yeah, that that, that uh, I I miss my father very much. My mm-hmm. dad died about five years ago, and there is part of me that I actually, with all of this going on in the world, I thought to myself, I'm I, I'm not glad my father's dead. I'm glad my father's not here for this because my father was a huge tra- – he loved The Apprentice. And I remember when we were kids, he had the Art of the Deal book, and he just thought that Trump was just the greatest. He's like, yeah, you stick it to the man kind of guy. Yeah. And I feel like this would have broken my relationship with my father if you know, yeah. if he was if he was alive to see him. He, he would have been one of these guys that – yeah. So I I, 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 I don't know. I've talked about this before, and I'll talk about it again. I had an uncle who was very religious, but when I say he was like he was a Christian, right? But when I say he lived it, he was he wasn't a hypocrite Christian. He was like one of these guys who was a really good man, very very Christian, very very Republican, and was a very good person, but um, lived it. And this brings up another topic I want to bring up too that I was talking with another friend about. But anyway, I remember during the Trump campaign, he was. Very pro-Trump. Just loved it, mm-hmm. right? And this is a true story I'm going to tell you. I uh-huh. was at Chris and Mercedes' house, and I remember Chris came running downstairs, and he's like, it's over. It's done. The tape just came out um, that Trump said he wants to grab actresses by the pussy, or, you know, grab them by the pussy, blah, 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 blah. That, it was literally the day the tape came out. Yeah. And uh, we were all like, oh, my God. Blah, blah, blah. It was a huge story at the time, if people don't remember, that there was this tape, actual tape of Trump saying he, he likes to grab starlets by the pussy. And, you know, he just when you're a star, you can do whatever you want with them. So I go home that night. And in the middle of the night, I'm woken up 
that my uncle, my super Christian uncle, has died of a heart attack. And I'm not lying. I really do think that that would happen that day. Like, I think he already had heart issues. But I think what happened that day was so upsetting to him as a Christian and he liked Trump and blah, 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 that I really do think it killed him. I really do think it it crushed him. Yeah. And it just made him so emotionally upset that that night he had a heart attack and died. Um, Mm -hmm. You know what else I was talking about that I struggle with? I think a lot of my more – look, everyone should know I'm a Democrat and and whatnot. But I struggle, and I wonder how you feel about this in Florida there, Taylor, is that, you know, I've been sort of entrepreneurial my whole life. And the people who have helped me the most in my uh, entrepreneurial spirit – have been hardcore Republicans. I was talking to a friend yesterday about how this one girl I went to grade school with, when I first started my tutoring business, she was, at the time, an editor of like a local newspaper, and she brought in local business leaders to meet me. She promoted it in her newspaper. It really helped get the business off the ground. And I remember later, mm-hmm. another hardcore Republican... She had an office in Newport Beach. She let me use the tutor students for free for about two years. For free. Absolutely for free. Just come in and do this. I had tutored one of her children. and Both of her children, actually. And she just mm-hmm. let me do She offered it. And she let me do it. And so it's weird that I struggle and that they're very – both of them – I know they're both Trumpistas, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's something I struggle with because here they are so – you know, they – worship this man who's so hateful but yet they've been so i've had a lot of republicans be very very kind to me you know and very wonderful to uh, me i think not all republicans are bad people i i I definitely feel like there are people that can separate you know my I, i i think there are you know i have clients i have gay male clients who talk about how great they think he is. And I just sort of look at them (laughs) while I'm digging my fingernails into my chair while they're talking. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, he's doing everything he can to take away your this. (laughs) You're talking to me. Like, you know, do you get that if he gets his way, like funding will be taken away and then you won't have mental health counseling for free anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's and it's very hard to not argue with them. But, you know, these are these are genuinely good people that just maybe they don't they they have certain beliefs or it's been hammered into them over generations of where we, you know, our family has always been a Republican and you could be a Republican, too. But mm-hmm. I it's it's something I definitely struggle with. I, th- I think that when we see you've you've got Republicans and then you've got the his base. You have the people that no matter what he does, no matter what's what's going on, he's he's always right because mm-hmm. he's he's sticking it to the man. And we had to deal, you know, we had to deal with a black president for eight years, so you can deal with this for now and all this kind of stuff. And the, you know, the pendulum swinging the other way. And I, I, those are the people that are scary to me. Those are the people that I feel like we're at the point of no return with with them. I feel like there are there is a group of Republicans that are. They're more closer to the Venn diagram, the center of the Venn diagram, mm-hmm. than we give them credit for, yeah. you know. And I ju- just, but I mean, you know, the opposite is true that there are Democrats. There are Democrats mm-hmm. who are assholes. <laughs> no, oh, trust me, I know. Bill Maher. Yeah, no, right. So I 
we could go on and on about. Oh, I have, I have like five stories in my bed. We're not. We, this is not a political show, or is no, it? I know it's not a political show. Or well, the, well, the, this one, this one kind of is in that we're. I, I think that you, I, I, I'm so turned around. Actually, talking, I am very much Gigi Good in that talking about politics is very intimidating to me. Not mm-hmm. intimidating, but it's very anxiety inducing for me. Mm-hmm. And after the last election, I have pretty much been at a heightened state of anxiety since november of 2016 yeah i am as as many of us are and i have imagined what it would be like in november Mm -hmm. both ways if he continues for another at least four years because Mm -hmm. i think he will do something to try to change it to where he is in power after that um or what it will be like if the Democratic nominee at this point it looks like it will be Biden um, wins. And I don't know what my reaction is going to be to either one. Mm-hmm. I don't know because because even honestly, at this point, if Biden wins or the Democratic nominee wins at this point, I will not believe it until he is standing in front of the Capitol. He or she is standing in front of the Capitol in January. That well, that is that is my I I truly think we are not going to go gently into that good night. I mean, I have different thoughts on that than you, but what I will say, what I do worry about uh, is that um, there's almost a, a small part of me that wants Trump to win. Hear me out. As much, even though he'll do a lot of. Actually, I really don't. But the reason I'm making a rhetorical point, which is what I worry about is Biden wins, takes over, he's the president, and then he's left holding the bag after all the damage that he's done over, Trump's done over the four years. Now the person who has to clean up the mess, you know, once once it's time to pay the piper for all the damage that's happened, and then the Republicans are very good, especially through Fox and whatnot, of turning around and going like, oh my god, the economy fell apart, it's because Biden's the president. Oh, look, these horrible right. things are happening because Biden's the president, because the Democrats are in charge, look at these horrible things are happening, not realizing that it was the four years of the Trump administration uh, that set that up. And well, but I also feel like we kind of saw that with Obama. Yeah, of where course did. Obama coming in, where they tried to do that, but eventually Obama pulled pulled it out. So, but they do it now. They say, "Look at oh, look, you know, Obama," and you're like, "Well, the whole con." It, it's, it's, it's it, it, never underestimate the Republican media's the right media's uh, ability just to straight up lie. Like even now, I know this is gonna this is gonna date this show. Currently, the big news is that President Trump advocated people inject bleach. Into their, it's so funny how you can't even get, you can't even make this up anymore. And actually, Paulette, no, I know. Paulette made this very good point in the first response: is that how do you do? Even though they taped this in the summer, how do you do a, a a parody of political elections when the reality is so much beyond parody? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um And it's like, and so now his whole thing is that, uh, you know, he was just being sarcastic when he said inject. So. Often, I will be honest with you. There are sometimes where I feel the left will take every little. Sometimes he is being sarcastic, and the left will take it. Oh my god, he said this, right? So I went to go look. He is one thousand percent not being sarcastic. Yeah, he is one hundred percent being serious. He is in the middle of a conversation about serious things. No one's asked him anything. He says if someone asks him a question, he says it sarcastically. 
And they will just lie. They will just, they have no problem with lying. And the Trumpistas will just repeat whatever Fox News tells them to, to do. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it, 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 this show has made Veep not funny anymore. Yeah. Cause, yeah. because when you would watch Veep before, it just felt like, oh God, it would never get that bad. Yeah. It would never be that ridiculous. And now we've got, we've got somebody who is saying, oh, you should, I had years ago, when I was a case manager, I had um, a client who had heard that bleach would kill HIV, and he drank a cup of bleach thinking it would, and it, it caused him, he clearly got very sick and went to the hospital, and it, like, burned a hole in the lining of his stomach. Did it cure his HIV, though? No, it did not cure his HIV. So this he was he was I was an uh, I was an adolescent case manager. So mm-hmm. I worked with uh, people who were uh, HIV positive between the ages of thirteen and twenty six, and so he was a young guy and was not super bright. This and did this? Let me ask this question: uh, Up until the age of eighteen, how many of them are getting it? Most of them are from blood transfusions, right? Or like, how are they getting HIV or through parents? Is that what it like? Uh, I had two. I had two kids that I worked with who were um, thirteen and fourteen, and they were born with it. Yeah. Um. So, but the majority of the people that I worked with, they were, they were the only two. Um. Actually, no, that's not true. The one, the one was born with it. The one got it through a blood transfusion back in the late eighties before they started testing for it. He was. Yeah. He was. Uh. He was hemophiliac. Um. And they. Uh. The rest of them all got it through sexual contact. Wow! I used to work with I used to work with like underage male prostitutes and just kids who were sexually active. And I mean, I I have stories from that time starting out in my career that I will never share with anybody. That were there were times that I thought to myself I should have been killed looking for this kid in certain like areas and neighborhoods and houses I went into looking for kids and stuff. That it was very much a you know. It's sort of I, I, and some of some of those kids, I, some of those kids, I still remember their name, and I still Google their names every once in a while just to make sure they haven't died. It's so weird that you say that. I didn't know that a part, part about your life, but it's it's one of these things where I've been uh, blissfully oblivious. Like I didn't know. Like mm-hmm. you're telling me this, I just said like, oh, but most of them were through blood transfusions. The thought no. of a person even under twenty just being so sexually active that they that they, um, I know you only takes one time, by the way, and that that's not an yeah. point, but like. Uh, but just, I don't know. It just it sounded, I don't know. I, it, that's awful. Anyway, let's talk about the debate uh, that they had. <laughs> <clears throat> oh yeah, we're talking about Drag Race. Yeah, oh, Rachel Bloom that. and Jeff Goldblum uh, were the moderators, and after the questions, rebuttals, and closing statements, um, uh, we get a little group twerk to peanut butter. What were your thoughts on the debate there, Taylor? I thought that people did varying degrees of success, as with any challenge. Um, It looked like Jeff Goldblum Goldblum and Rachel Bloom were having fun Mm -hmm. during it. Um, Mm -hmm. Particularly Jeff Goldblum Mm -hmm. looked a little confused, but he looked like he was enjoying being confused. Um, I was pleasantly surprised at how well Jada did. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that, you know, she deserved to win the entire challenge this week. Excuse me. Um, but I also feel like everybody kind of had their moment. Everybody had a moment that was really good with the exception of widow. I, 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 and I don't quite get why they were the character, the idea of the character. And we don't know how long it actually went on for 
how long the actual challenge went on for. But the idea of Jackie occasionally bringing in Canadian references to things, mm-hmm. you know, and when Jeff says, I'm going to ask you a question, but I don't want you to answer with Canada. And she still answered with Canada. I thought that still played to the role of the character mm-hmm. that the character can't help but be overwhelmingly Canadian. Mm-hmm. So she's going to she's going to do that. So the fact that they and I get that like Jeff and Rachel were sort of like rolling their eyes when she did it. But I felt like that was part of the skit. But then when they kind of called her out on that on the runway during deliberation, I thought was. I I, I, I didn't quite get, you know, that, that certain characters, it's OK for certain characters to act away, but not other characters. Uh, yeah, Taylor, you know, um, I wasn't that big of a, um, uh, fan of the debate. There were a couple of maybe, like, laugh through my nose moments on some things that Jada, I would agree. Good thing Jada won, Taylor, because I do agree. (laughs) It was very clear that she won from that challenge and that, that, uh, uh, because it'd be really dumb not to know that Jada didn't win, you know? Yeah. Uh, I also didn't think Gigi was as bad as they were making her out to be. I mean, she kind of, again, she's, but but this is sort of where she's playing the same character all the time, mm -hmm. but she was also playing it to two people that don't know that she plays that character all the time. Yeah, but it's enough with the robot. I'm done with it. Right. Okay. She she might might as well whistle through her teeth. Um, Okay. (laughs) So uh, now Taylor though, like, let me put it this way. And I said this in the first response, the first thing I said in the show. I was whelmed. I wasn't underwhelmed. I wasn't overwhelmed. <laughs> I was just whelmed by uh, the debate. Um, somebody in the in the thing asked us. I mean, this is a good point to do it. Uh, someone asked, "How did you think this challenge?" Spiral Queen asked, "How did you think this challenge compared to the season four political debate?" What did you think, Taylor? <clears throat> um, I don't remember a lot about the season four political debate, other than the Latrice. A uh, comment of five minutes ago, I realized Miss O'Hara was ugly and I'm at peace with that. Yeah. Um, and the response, the, the immediate cut to Chad uh, laughing with with that. That was that was the episode where Fifi referred to Latrice and Dita uh, Ritz as the help yeah. when she was when she was doing the I, I don't remember a lot about that one. Um, I don't know that I'll remember a lot about this one next week, but yeah. I we laughed a couple of times at things, and I always enjoy watching when other queens laugh at mm-hmm. when 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 other queens are enjoying the art and enjoying the talent of of their competitors. Mm-hmm. So watching Heidi, where Heidi kept chuckling, was that that kind of was fun. You know, I always like you know example would be like the old carol burnett show where they would all try to like you know make make each other break and stuff mm-hmm. and that that's kind of what that felt like with what what they were doing so in that in regards was enjoyable all right very good uh well you know taylor let's let's uh let's call it that segment closed and now uh it's time for the Lux. The Lux. Uh hold on, I got to change the volume for that There's a whole thing going on here now it's time for the looks. Okay, Taylor, this week the uh, the theme was Stars and Stripes Forever. Once again, remember, you only have the length of time. We're playing it right now. That uh, First, Crystal Method. Crystal Method comes out in a light blue, uh, almost like a pencil skirt, with a blazer over her shoulders that has Stars and Stripes. She's wearing a fedora. Um, I liked this look. Blue hair, great nails, great gloves. 
very uh, 80s chic inspired. Very much enjoyed it. Heidi in Closet. Heidi in Closet came out uh, with uh, very 40s inspired hair and sort of like a USO girl, USO dancer, but she has on hooker boots that is all spangly. It's all red, white, and blue. Um, I thought she looked great. I loved her makeup, but I her ha- the wig was everything to me for this look. I absolutely love the wig. The Widow Von Du. Widow Von Du went a little different with this, with wearing black and white and having his dress that was stars and stripe with a big afro. I thought Widow looked amazing with this. I loved Widow's makeup. I thought it, it definitely was maybe the strongest makeup she's had all season and uh, very much enjoyed it. The stars looked, it looked very uncomfortable to walk around the, the star appliques that were on it. Jackie Cox. Jackie Cox, Jackie Cox comes out in a stars and stripes uh, hijab uh, with uh, the, where the, the main body of the dress is red and white stripes and the hijab uh, around top is a beautiful blue, like a, uh, a blue with stars on the border. She looked great. Great, great statement of a dress. Gigi Good. I loved this look so much. I love Revolutionary War. It's just stuff about that. That's my favorite era of history. So this was a very sexy version of that. Um, I was surprised she had on a red coat just because red coats were what the British wore. However, Nita West already kind of did this with the blue. So maybe that's why she decided to do the red. But I loved, loved, loved everything about Gigi's look uh, as a uh, Revolutionary War officer. Jada Essence Hall. Jada Essence Hall comes out of wearing red, white, and blue bodysuit. Uh, that is a very, like, bicentennial. <laughs> it reminds me of something of, like, that time era. Um, it's great. She kind of looks like a superhero. Um, the one thing I did not like was I did not like the red, white, and blue curls in the front of the hair, which was sort of like a almost like a mohawk inspired type hair. But I, the dress she looked like she looked like a, a superhero from a seventies Saturday morning cartoon, and I loved it. All right, very good. Actually, this is something that that Jada's outfit is something that I could see uh, RuPaul wearing, especially well, old school RuPaul. When the the one and only time I've ever seen RuPaul in person was back on the March on Washington uh, in 1993, mm-hmm. and she wore an outfit that was kind of similar to that, mm-hmm. but it was very um, a little bit more Wonder Woman inspired. Mm-hmm. But she she wore something similar to that, and that if we had had more time, I was going to actually add that in that it felt very much something old school 90s RuPaul would wear. All right, very good. Do you have anything else to say about the looks? I liked just about all of them. Yeah. I, th- I thought I thought it was a fun, it was a light looks, but they were all enjoyable. All right, very good. All right, uh, you know, I, I, I want to reiterate, uh, and we're going to say it here, you know, we've, I'm going to say two things. One, first, let's talk about people who don't support us on Patreon. That's fine. Like I told you for the uh, quarantine, uh, to not celebrate the quarantine, but to help you get through the quarantine, (laughs) we've released all the episodes, uh, not necessarily all the way up till the end of 2019, but we've everything mostly before 2020 we've released. And before, we have an exciting announcement for you. Before, it was such a pain in the ass to go get those episodes. Now we've partnered up with a company called Acast. So if you look in the show notes now, there is a link to a feed, okay? If you just, in your phone, click on that link and add that link to your favorite podcast provider, like app, like Overcast or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast or Acast. 
you can uh, get all those free shows in its own little feed on your podcast. So just go to the show notes for this episode and do that. Now, for the Patreon supporters, now that we've gone to Acast, I'm trying to reach as many people as I can. Very few of you, for a very small amount of you, number of you, for a very small number of you, you have had some problems with the transition. If you have had problems, email me at jobatance at afterthought.media, and we will help you get those problems taken care of. If you're not getting the episodes, you should be getting. All right. Very good. Um, Taylor, uh... Sherry, Heidi, and Crystal are named safe on the main stage while Jada is awarded the win after Gigi narrowly escapes the bottom two. Widow and Jackie are left to the lip sync for their lives. The song, Firework by Katy Perry. Jackie delivers a sparkling lip sync and is told, Shantae, you stay, while Widow Von Du is asked to sashay away. Taylor Latte Boy, any final thoughts on the episode? I, yeah, I mean, I have... A, a lot of thoughts. Can we talk about the whole controversy or everything that was talked about regarding Jackie's uh, Jackie's look and sure. the whole Jeff Goldblum thing? Because sure. we had said we would talk about that a little bit more. Sure. What are your What are your thoughts about all of that? Everyone's really mad at Jeff Goldblum. Honestly, I think it's a fair question. Perhaps maybe on a more serious show. You know, maybe if you were on Project One Runway or a show that takes itself more seriously, but Ru- Drag Race has started to take itself more seriously. I think it's a fair mm-hmm. question, right? And uh, and by the way, it would be a fair question for any mainstream religion, whether if, if someone came out dressed in the traditional garb of uh, Catholicism or Christianity, uh, yeah, if they came like I think it came out dressed as a priest or something, uh. I don't know if that question would be asked, but it's a fair question for any mainstream religion mm-hmm. about their problems with uh, homosexuality and and uh, other things. And so, um, but you know, everyone's mad at Jeff Goldblum for what I think is a fair question. Um, but also, th- they can, you know, I never edit anything out of this show. You guys just get the real raw feed. But yeah. what about? Um, the editors leaving that in, you know, the editors didn't have to leave it in. There's no way we would have known uh, that um, that this was the case. Well, I, I guess my question is, and maybe I was sort of half paying attention at that point, or I was mm-hmm. just I was distracted with some other stuff going on. That he was asking that question. It, was he questioning? What is your interpretation that he was questioning? Jackie as to why she would wear something that has been known to be anti homosexuality, anti gay, anti, you know. It was my woman, impression. Or, yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm asking. Yeah, I'm asking my you. impression, I have, I'd have to rewatch that moment again, but my impression was that he was delivering her a softball question to allow her to make a statement about that does that make sense like are you religious in other words he was handing her a softball to have that moment i don't think he was uh i didn't get the impression i don't get that impression from jeff goldblum's personality that i that i I get the impression he was trying to give her a softball to hit it out of the ballpark if that makes sense you know which i think he did yeah and and also i think rupaul did a, a tremendous job 
uh, answering as well, saying that, you know, it is the job of... And I think that's probably why they kept it in. I think that, I don't think they kept it in to be salacious to Jeff Goldblum. I think they kept it in because RuPaul got to make a statement that I think that was really important at the job. The job of drag is to fight against those kinds of uh, oppression and to turn the mirror on society uh, of drag and to hold it up for ridicule or or, or uh, study, you know? Yeah. And, you know, Nicholas Alexander Springham says, Jeff's question has created a dialogue through which I think is a positive. It might have been tone deaf, but look at us now discussing it all. Yeah, very good point. Like, it's not bad to have political discourse and to talk about... I don't. I didn't take it as a an attack on Islam. I took it as a legitimate question. I mean, this is... This is something that is is real, and it's not saying that all Muslims are like this. It is it's asking Jackie, do you believe? I might need to pull up that moment. We need to hear it. Let's see here. I got to pull it up. Are you religious? May I ask? I'm not. And to be honest, this outfit really represents the importance that visibility for people of religious minorities need to have in this country isn't this an interesting wrinkle though is there something in that religion that is anti uh, homosexuality and anti a woman does that complicate the issue i'm just raising it no, and thinking out loud and maybe being stupid but no no what I, do think, you think? I think you know drag has always shaken the tree so to speak. And there are so many different layers to this presentation. And if it was ever going to be done, this is the stage to do it. It's a complex issue. I have my own misgivings about the way that LGBT people are treated in the Middle East. And at the same time, I am one. But what is so important is to me that if you just happen to be different, then like live that truth. And when the Muslim ban happened, it really destroyed a lot of my faith in this country. And really hurt my family. And that's so wrong to me. And I had to show America that you can be LGBT and from the Middle East. And there's going to be complicated around that, and that's okay. But I'm here, and I deserve to be in America just as much as anyone else. Everything you're saying really registers with me. At the end of the day, this country is for everyone. And I'm so sorry that this has happened to your family. Thank you, guys. Okay, so if anything, uh, this is... Again, just sort of, I think, just highlighting that, that, like, I don't know, maybe it, go ahead, what were you going to say, Taylor? I think that, I think him asking the question, he wasn't asking the question from a place of saying Jackie's wrong in doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was, sometimes you we all have had situations in which we realize in order for a conversation to continue, we have mm-hmm. to play the part of the devil's advocate or yeah. the asshole or mm-hmm. the, um, you know, or, or, or just, I don't understand, you know, I have, you know, this kind of reminds me of, I have my, 
without getting too much into stuff with a particular client, I had a client come to me once early on in my career here in my current position and tell me that she, she is someone that I saw when she was male and she came to me and said, I need to talk to you. I need to, I need to say this out loud. And I said, okay. And she said, I, I, I'm, I'm a woman. I'm a woman. I felt this way for a long time and I feel like I'm finally at a place where I can start moving towards that transition. And one of the things that I remembered saying is, you know, first, thank you for, thank you for allowing me to be the first person you told about this. And I remember saying at one point to her, I am going to ask stupid questions because this is not my forte. This is not something where, you know, I only know what I've seen on like TV shows and stuff like that. And I said, so please know that if I ask a question, it is coming from a place of genuinely, it is. I may be ignorant to it, but I'm not an ignorant person. I am trying to grow and I'm trying to learn. Mm -hmm. So in listening Mm -hmm. to Jeff Goldblum say that, that might be where Jeff was with this and that he was saying, well, this has been always what I've learned, heard, learned. I'm not trying to, you know, as he said, I'm not, maybe I'm being stupid, but I don't understand why, you know, it's, it's adding, it's adding a, as he said, I think a wrinkle to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So that might be where this is coming from. Um, and we may be at a place where that that sometimes we have to ask those questions and kind of be willing to stand there with egg on our face to grow and yeah, to learn. No, if you think about it, I had suggested why did they leave that in? But now that I, now that I see it, they had to leave it in because if you had not left it in, you wouldn't have RuPaul's remarkable statement on the thing, on the topic. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have had Jackie Cox's beautiful uh, answer to him. And and it's only through discourse and Rachel Bloom's. I think Rachel Bloom says something very intelligent to her as well. It, it, we only grow through discourse. If we just like, if we're too afraid to say things or ask questions because we're afraid of how we're going to uh, be perceived or if we're going to hurt people's feelings, we're never going to grow. In fact, it, it's in it's in the darkness like that that uh, bigotry and and chauvinism fester. Because then you yeah. don't ever learn. If you don't ever learn, if you don't ask questions, you know, um, I didn't know anything about Judaism, really, much at all, until I one of my big contracts through my company, my old company, was with a Jewish high school. They were a big contract. So, and it was through them that I made some remarkable friends, but also learned about Judaism and religion. And, you know, in the Jewish religion, they, it's, it's sort of uh, asking questions, which Jeff Goldblum, by the way, is Jewish. It's, um, it's through asking, it's, it's a, it's a religion that, that uh, fosters education and questioning and asking questions and learning and, um, did I say festers or fosters? I mean fosters, and uh, and so uh, I, I I think it's I think it's part of Jeff's background um, to try and learn, and um, I feel like we ha- we can't be so sensitive all the time, and that's how I learned to that's how I learned about Judaism. It's how I I learned to love Judaism, and in terms of also all those religions, particularly Christianity as an umbrella, and also Islam is often people make the mistake of thinking that that the beliefs of the people in those religions are uniform throughout. But if you think about it, there are more people who are Roman Catholic than there are people in the United States, okay? <clears throat> yeah. And if we, as there are, uh, uh, you know, 300 million plus of us, 
if we all can't agree politically and on what it is to be an American, what makes you think that Roman Catholics or Islam, which is even you know just as big if not bigger, there's all different shades and facets of Islam. So it's 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 it. We shouldn't have this view that they're all this monolithic entity that has no shades, nuggets, and nooks and crannies. You know, well, it goes it, back to our conversation earlier of Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, not all Republicans are horrible people, and mm-hmm. not all Democrats are, you know, wonderful. Yeah, and we're we're, we're all varying oh shades. Gosh. We all fall on that. We all fall on that spectrum. People of various religions. That's the exact same thing. Yeah, and so and so, I I, I still think it was. We have to. Be, we can't be afraid of discourse, even if it's ugly discourse. Uh, I don't think this was coming from an ugly place. I think it was coming from a genuine question because here's the deal. And this is unfortunately, this is the way it is in this country right now. I think hijabs are beautiful. I love them. I love seeing it. I think this is actually, I my, agree. It, yeah. it might be my favorite outfit, but to wear for a drag queen on television to wear a hijab that has the 50 stars and stripes on it, you're making a political statement. Whether Jeff yeah. Goldblum asked the question or not, you're making a political statement by wearing that on a major television network as a gay man in drag who has says he he's not out, correct? Isn't it, we learned that either he's not out or people don't know he does I drag in his family or something? Think like so, I think some family members don't know that he does drag. Yeah. And so he's making – I mean this is a political statement that not just reverberates throughout the country and society – but also in his personal life, imagine what his family might feel to see their son dress as a woman and in a hijab, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a, he's making a political statement as it is. And so to ask about it out of genuine curiosity, I don't think is a bad thing. I think we've become too triggered too easily, uh, and we need to just be able to have conversations. You know what's so funny, and you, you, you can talk about this because I know you're a fan of the 70s. I, uh, people who get triggered... I have. I would. I would uh, suggest you go watch the old television shows from the seventies, like Good Times, or All in the Family, or uh, Maude. Those shows. It, there seemed to be there was something that happened in the seventies that um, there was this weird, just brief decade. Maybe because it was just it was post. Um, you know, Vietnam hippie movement and right between the selfishness of the 80s, there seemed to be this decade of just let's be honest about race and class. And those sitcoms tackled that in a way that you, you've you not seen since. They showed both sides. A lot of the Norman Lear shows showed both sides. Now, a lot of times the perspective of the more conservative member of the debate was sort of laughed at mm-hmm. um i.e archie bunker would be you know or even even george jefferson was yeah. a lot of time they were sort of the clown compared to the other but there were also times in which they showed their perspective from a genuine you know this is something where we can be different we can have different viewpoints but we can come together yeah so i agree with you mm-hmm. if you can watch any of those old sh- particularly anything that was produced by norman lear yeah they really, really address that a lot. And even to some degree, not quite as much, but like Mary Tyler Moore, the old Mary Tyler Moore show, in terms of uh, the women's movement and what it was like for women to work in the workforce, particularly in a in a workforce where that was predominantly men. Yeah. Um, a lot of that stuff, you're right. We didn't really see that. It turned into 
the eighties kind of turned into after school specials type stuff yeah. on a very special episode of, whereas a lot of those shows, they were all very special episodes of, but it wasn't necessarily promoted in that way. Well, I think the Reagan era ushered in a whole new perspective that was different. Yeah. And, and, and we've, yes. we, we've seen now, and then maybe the nineties brought in this political correctness where those questions can't even be asked, you know? Yeah. We, yeah and, and we have to get to a place where we can ask those kinds of questions, you know? Uh, and have those kinds of discussions. Um, okay. Um, all right. Uh, is there anything else you want to say? You know, one thing I wanted to comment on was that, uh, you know, I had this theory last time that, um, that they had to do celebrity drag race because they have to distract from Sherry Pie. And we're seeing that, that as they winnowed, uh, down the contestants that Sherry, they can't, can't erase her anymore. Uh, yeah. I didn't watch Untucked, but was she a presence on Untucked? She was a little bit of a presence in the beginning of Untucked. Okay. So. And, and, uh, and so I think we're going to see more and more of her as the weeks progress. And so get ready for that. The other thing I want to talk about was <clears throat> I made some statements last week about Jan. I got Taylor. It still boggles my mind. How many messages on Instagram at dragracerecap at gmail.com on Patreon of all these people who needed to tell me, Joe, you just don't understand. And to tell me why <laughs> I was wrong about Jan. And they and they made these like fantastic logical leaps and bounds. Um one of them, and I know who it is, but I don't want to call people out on the air, was telling me about how, no, Joe, you don't understand. Uh, she is this season's Katia, Latrice, Bendala Krem. And I was like, uh, you are, first of all, all those people went home in, like, I think, fifth place. Oh, Darian yeah. Lake. Uh, no, no, I didn't see Darian Lake. It was Ben. It was Ben, Latrice, Katia, somebody else that's iconic, right? And they and now they were I'm all first of all they all went home in fifth place and they're like to even put Jan in the same sentence as those people, you're like No. Yeah. That yeah. that that that's she, she she's a talented queen. Yeah. She will get a lot of followers mm-hmm. if she doesn't already have it. Mm-hmm. She will she will be beloved, but I think that she didn't have the right energy we watched the uh we start watching the show about 10 minutes before the next episode so so we so i watched the lip sync again because i made the statement that widow that was one of the best lip syncs ever on the show Mm -hmm. and i would say it's definitely in the top half (laughs) okay i think i was just feeling my emotion last week work has been y'all don't understand work's been really rough the last couple of weeks so i'm definitely in my feelings a lot Mm -hmm. right now but it still was really good but when you watch Jan in that it speaks to the energy. The energy that Jan has is an amazing amount of energy, mm-hmm. which I think is maybe why they addressed it in the beginning of this week's episode. But the energy did not sync with what Rue is looking for in a drag drag winner. Yeah. She is she is frenetic and she is manic. And mm-hmm. she is marching to the beat of her own drummer, but that drummer is almost like, you know, 180 beats per minute kind of thing. Whereas mm-hmm. that's not that's not Rue's energy. So it makes sense that she would not be the winner of yeah. this, and that she when she's tr- when Rue and all of the other girls that contestants are trying to tell her slow down, mm-hmm. slow down, you're moving too fast. She 
chose to or couldn't hear what they were saying. And here's the thing, too. Look, I want to I want to reiterate because sometimes people listen to me, and because I am not sucking Jan's dick, they even though I would, uh, they think I hate her. I don't hate her. I thought she was fine. And if I'm being quite honest, I don't know if you agree. Let's say J- Widow went home last week. Jan probably would have been home this week. I mean, yeah. she, like, she only would have lasted one more week. Can you imagine this Jan on this thing? It would have been about, you know, the Jantasy in 2020 and uh, the Jantastic and um, the, a Jan favorite. You know, everything that has, you know, like uh, an Ann in, in front of it, you know, Janthrax. Right. That's what I wanted to take when I watched her. Uh, <laughs> I know. I need some Janet. Right. I think. I think we knew yeah. We knew last week Widow was going home this week. Not from like rumors or stuff, but you you were watching the arc and we've been watching this arc with Jan where they've been saying to her, you're not giving us what we want. Mm-hmm. And unless there had been a complete 180 this week, whoever, whether it was Widow or Jan that stayed, mm-hmm. that person was going home. There's too many girls and too many strong girls that really haven't been in the bottom mm-hmm. yeah. yet or that aren't beloved, i.e. like a Heidi, that aren't beloved by Rue, that there, she's not – she can't not start whittling people down. Yeah. You know, well, I'm – there's <laughs> been part of me that's been surprised because of the way she did the first two episodes where nobody went home. I'm surprised we haven't had a double elimination yet. Mm-hmm. Wait, I'm trying to so, take through my trash. I had a list of all the queens. But I was going to say if you go through all the queens, like Crystal and Heidi are safe because regardless of you think what you think of their talent, RuPaul adores them. Okay? Yeah. Then you have Jada, who's doing well. You have mm-hmm. Sherry, who we don't see, but is doing well. Gigi, Jackie. Like, you're telling me that uh, Jan is going to cut through that field? Yeah. You know? And who had, um, by the unless, way, heretofore been ignored on the show? Yeah. Unless <laughs> somebody that she loves, like Crystal or Heidi, really shits the bed. Mm-hmm. That would be the only thing I think at this point that would have saved Jan or that would have saved that would have gotten Jan this far. But I can't see. I could see Jan getting further than she did, but not going all the way. I mean, at some point she was going to be eliminated because we. she's been sort of her narrative has been I never want a challenge. I want to win a challenge. And she but but it kept going to where they would say to her, you're not giving us what we want. But she kept sort of forcing that and saying, no, no, I'm going to give you, as we, we talked about on the Meet the Queens and everything else, you know, I can sing, I can dance, I can act, I can do this, I can da-da-da-da-da. Like, she, I think she kept thinking, if I just keep punching everybody in the face with this, yeah. eventually they're going to go, oh, we didn't realize it. Well, here's the crown. Yeah. Let's just cancel the rest of the season. Yeah, Here's your crown and your scepter. Yeah, it, I was just saying yesterday on uh, a different show that when I was a kid, because I used to watch too much Little Rascals, I thought for anyone to break into show business, you had to know how to tap dance. Okay? <laughs> and that's what it seems like Jan, now as a child, but it seems like Jan still has that belief. You know, she can sing, she can dance, she can act. But like like I said before, apart from Jinx, who had a sense of humor about it, which I don't think Jan... Jan seems very earnest in it, where I think Jinx was musical theater, but in a sort of funny way, quirky way. What other winners have have been such a strong musical theater background? And they're like, RuPaul's like, 
that's what we need, you know? Yeah. It just doesn't fit sort of the mold. And she and and, and again, I, I I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, Taylor. I was literally getting ex girlfriend, ex boyfriend style level giant blocks of text. I had to scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. Um I'm gonna show you on camera right now, actually, one of them. And um cover cover up the name of the contact. I will. I will. But um, uh, let me see here. Well, oh, here it is. Um, covering up the name. Look, look at this. Let me see. I'm gonna use a post-it to cover it. That'll make it easier. Okay. 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 Look at this. Look at the. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This is this is all about Jan. Let me see when it can focus. Okay. Look at this. Oh. About Jan Taylor. Okay, well, but we have very passionate. This show has very passionate fans of mm-hmm. Drag Race. Yeah, and they ha- and they have their favorite. We've had our favorites that have gone away, that mm-hmm. have been eliminated before. We've had fa- we've had our favorites. I've had people that I didn't think should have won their season, mm-hmm. and was disappointed when the person that you know my my horse, as it were, didn't make it to the finish line. But mm-hmm. it's. Ultimately, I think somebody like a Katya or a Latrice. Yeah. That was that was kind of lightning in a bottle. That was where I don't know that we are going to see some because I think the people are liking Jan now. Yeah. But I don't know that we're going to see like five years down the line, mm-hmm. people still love Katya. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we're going to necessarily see that same level mm-hmm. of yeah passion but but it's also because katya is so unique yeah in her style mm-hmm. and her persona whereas i feel like jan jan is talented yes don't get me wrong but i also think that jan is not a dime a dozen but i think there are a lot more there are a lot more queens out there that are like jan than there are queens that are like katya that weren't doing it B- when or before Katya was. I think that we have Katya clones out there now, mm-hmm. but Katya was the original, whereas I feel like there have been other queens that were like Jan before Jan. Jan is Jan is definitely working, you know, towards being one of these queens of, you know, another year. Latrice, I think, is somebody because it's her personality mm-hmm. that is somebody who is was and she was also so unique to the show she was so you know she she was she was a dark skinned large as in height and size drag queen with this big huge personality but there was also something very endearing about her and very where she you, she just you, you were drawn to her a little bit but i would say that some of that has gone away since i think she lost some of that cachet when she went on all stars I think people that loved Latrice kind of saw a little bit more of who Latrice was, and that's even gone away. Yeah. So for them to say that Jan is the next Katya or Latrice, I don't agree with that statement. I respectfully disagree with that statement. Well, yeah. Um, it's, but I think it's people, it was literally all people trying to logically explain to me why Jan, this was uh, just complete highway robbery. I don't know. It's just, look, I like Jan. She's very talented. 
But I think she ran her course on this competition. And as I've stated before, this competition is not a judgment for the quality of your drag. There are drag queens who are very talented who do not make it very far. There are drag queens who have done very well who aren't very good drag queens. Okay? Yeah. It, it's, it's how you do in this competition. You know, it's not yes. a statement. And I think drag queens, jazz and masters specifically, and a lot of them would agree. You know, this is a show about how well you do on RuPaul's Drag Race. It is not a statement on your drag. Do not define yeah. drag by RuPaul's Drag Race. Drag is art and art is subjective. Thank you. As yeah. the Boulay brothers. Do you, do you think Jan would be a good all-stars no candidate <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean unless they run out of all-stars see but i i and i kind of disagree i think that jan, do i think jan would win all-stars no but i think jan would make for a good all-stars contestant if we saw that she learned from this experience of where then she could start giving Rue, what? Because ultimately, it doesn't even matter how you do as as how what you are as a drag queen. It's really more what Rue thinks of you, as you we've seen. I mean, Crystal, thing. Crystal is somebody, and Heidi are somebody that they we have seen much stronger queens on this show. Yes, yes. it is that they are adored by Rue, and, and that is part of the reason why. So I think it's something where if if Jan could come back mm-hmm. and show. I paid attention. I, you know, I went back and I watched myself on the season and I realized mm-hmm. how I was acting. And now I want to give you what I think you want versus what I want to do for you. I could see her being on an All-Stars and I could see her doing well. I think what RuPaul sees in Crystal and Heidi is, even though we may not see, I, a lot of us are starting to see it with Crystal, but is, and what we appreciate, and I'll use Katya as an example. Katya is a perfect example of this, of people who have no other, they they know nothing else but to be their authentic selves, you know? Yeah. And RuPaul, and RuPaul has said this on her podcast numerous times, both she and Michelle, is don't try and produce yourself. And I think what Heidi, Crystal, and Katya have in common is that they are giving that authenticity that RuPaul loves, okay? I happen to know from yeah. a very good source a very high-level source, that when the cameras weren't rolling, RuPaul told Crystal, okay, uh, you know, I had doubts about you as a contestant when we cast you, but I am now very, very glad you're in this competition. Okay? And uh, and I think it's because Crystal, no matter, even if she's like, in other words, when RuPaul said, what's your platform? And Crystal's like, I don't know. I mean, that's something that like, I think there's an authenticity to it that RuPaul yeah. appreciates, okay? And yeah. same thing with Heidi. Heidi can't help but be who she is. And I feel with yeah. Jan, she has the charisma, but it... Okay, wait. She has the talent. She has the nerve. I don't think she has the uniqueness. I think we've seen this drag queen type a million times. But two, the charisma, you're right. If she could somehow find a way to... I don't think we ever saw the authentic Jan. Now, it could be that because editors or whoever decided not to show us too much of Jan, you know? Mm-hmm. But we, I don't think I ever got a true sense of what is Jan like when she's by herself. We always saw Jan... They even commented on it, so to speak, you know, at the beginning of the show, where Jan was always super high energy. 
No, no yeah. people aren't really high energy like that in real life, authentically, all the time. You know? Unless they're in a manic episode. <laughs> yeah, unless they're in a manic episode. And so I think what we wish we could have seen was the more um, manic gen. I mean, even think about her most, the moment she got the most attention for was when she cried. The blast was that um, it was because she lacked authenticity. You know, I was talking to Sirius XM radio host Larry Flick from uh, formerly of One on One with Larry Flick on Sirius XM radio, EJ Entertainment Radio, Channel 105. And um, he was telling me <laughs> that Michelle said on the official World of Wonder podcast that everybody knew on set that she wasn't really crying about Britta. Yeah. You know, that Michelle said this yeah. on their podcast. Like, so if anything, we, she, if she were more authentic and said, I'm crying because I'm sad I didn't win, I think people would have respected it more, at least the people who are making the decisions, than like, I'm crying because my friend left. Yeah. Anyway, let's call it a day there, Tara. All right. Yeah. It's um, been fantastic talking to you about this. <laughs> John Tay, you stay. <laughs> Jan, that's going to do it for this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. This episode was produced by Luke Stan. Be sure to join us next week and every week as we continue to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct each Jan new episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 12. So, for Tale of the Latte Boy and myself, Jan Tay away until next week. listening to RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Have something to say? Email us at dragracerecap at gmail.com Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at dragracerecap If you want access to more Season 12 content, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash afterthoughtmedia You can follow Taylor the Latte Boy on Twitter and Instagram at Taylor. Follow Joe Batanz on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Batanz. That's J-O-E-B-E-T-A-N-C-E. The theme song was written by Lucian Piani and arranged and performed by Alex Lefebvre. This episode was produced by Luke Stamen. Drag Race Recap is an Afterthought Media podcast. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.